amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Daring Podcast on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Ms. Tasi, and today is Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. There are only 14 days left till Christmas. Wow. If you're like me, <laughs> you've not done any shopping. And, you know, what I'm going to do, I think, is just I'm an Amazon Prime member, and I just go to Amazon. I avoid all the stores, and I just like to order everything online, including, of course, our Harium Hair Care, which, by the way, our sale Thanksgiving, I want to say thank you to so many people that ordered our amazing products, and um, it's just been really, really good, and we really appreciate everybody that loves on Hair Yum, and you can, of course, follow Hair Yum at Hair Yum on Instagram, Facebook, and social media. Um, today, I'm really excited about our guest. Um, attorney Amber Sanders, because she's going to be talking about something that I know my moms are going to love and my dads are going to really love about how to protect your family, how to protect your legacy, your kids, if something happens, and what are the steps that we have to take. Speaking of legacy, where is my applause for Miss Universe? You know, um, congrats to Miss Universe, um, Miss South Africa. She was crowned in Atlanta at the Tyler Perry Studios. And it was so, I mean, you've seen the pictures by now. You can, you know, use the hashtag Miss Universe. She did an amazing job. Her hair, her skin, um, just everything. She was just flawless. And I'm so happy because, of course, as a mom of two brown-skinned girls, I'm very, very adamant about representation matters, and I'm so happy that girls, you know, can see, you know, somebody that looks like them with their skin tone, their hair, and, you know, they get to see just different varieties of beauty and not just one 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 size fits all kind of thing. So that was really, really great. Okay, as you know, our show flies by. I have to give her our Daring Podcast introduction, and make sure you're following the Daring Podcast. Um, but before I do that, you know I got to pay some bills, so we'll be back in less than 20 seconds when I introduce our guest, and we'll get right into the show. Thanks. Hair Yum is the fastest-growing vegan hair care product on the market. Hair Yum can transfer your hair with just one wash, cleanse with no harsh chemicals, sulfates, or detergents. The Hair Yum Collection is available now at HairYum.com. Take the challenge. Go vegan. Get Hair Yum at HairYum.com. That's H-A-I-R-Y-U-M.com. Your hair will thank you for it. 
All right, thank you so much. Um, we are back live with the Darren Podcast, and I want to introduce our guest, Miss Amber Saunders. She's an attorney um, with the business and estate planning practice that focuses on helping families enhance their lives and secure their futures tomorrow. She is from the Atlanta area, ATL Stand Up. She excels in guiding her clients through the often confusing maze of financial, business, and legal decisions to create plans that ensure the well-being of their families and the accomplishment of their goals. She graduated from Atlanta's John Marshall Law School and served as a judicial assistant to the Honorable Judge Perry Brown Reynolds on the State Court of Fulton County. She received an advocacy award for her work on the Moot Court team, served as the Dean's Fellow because of her legal writing skills, and served on both the local and regional board for the Black Law Students Association. So after graduation, Amber started Enrichment Prep, a standardized test preparation company that focuses on helping students in marginalized communities excel on college preparation exams. That is amazing, okay? She won a startup grant from 100 urban entrepreneurs and worked with the organization for several years helping minority entrepreneurs prepare to pitch their businesses to investors. She's an author of Ahead of the Curve, What Parents Need to Know to Get Their Kids into College. It was published in 2014. And she's the founding partner of Nala and Saunders, a law firm in Atlanta, Georgia, that specializes in providing a new approach to business planning that incorporates tax, succession, business, estate, intellectual property planning into every aspect of work done for their clients. Like I always tell my guests and my listeners, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, and let us welcome attorney Amber Okay, let me just mute it. Unmute it, I should say. Okay. Hi, Amber. You're on live. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Your resume is so extensive. Wow. <laughs> you know, I wanted to start with, because you know our time always flies, but I wanted to just say, like, what made you want to become a lawyer? Like, take us to the, your background story. Huh. So my mother said that I told her I wanted to be a lawyer when I was five years old. So I've never wanted to be anything else, never wanted to be a ballerina, never wanted to be anything. And it was very strange <laughs> because we didn't have any lawyers in the family. I think I just watched Law & Order as a kid and just decided that that's what I wanted to do. And my personality just fit around that. But um, I've always wanted to be a lawyer um, and ended up doing the state planning and business planning because I was just always an entrepreneur. Um, so I knew I wanted to work with other entrepreneurs, people who were trying to create their own wealth um, for their families. And when my mother has been going through, I mean, she's still going through it um, in Massachusetts, some probate issues with my grandmother and grandfather's estate, 
Um, I just knew that there were so many people in the community who don't like to think about what happens after they're not here, whether it even is when they're not here or if they were incapacitated in some way because they had an accident or something like that. And while your family is having to deal with whether or not you're sick or whether or not you um, have passed away, for them to, on top of that, have to figure out how to handle your affairs is just taxing on the people who are left behind. And I, I saw what my mother was going through and having to deal with that from out of state. Um, and so we incorporated in a state planning into the practice to try and to alleviate what I thought was a need in, in, in my community and my family. Wow, that's amazing. You always wanted to be a lawyer. And you know what, before I jump into, like, this family protection and legacy building, just, you know, there are a lot of young kids, minority kids, who might think, oh, I don't have the skills, you know, to be a lawyer. Um, what advice would you kind of share with them in terms of maybe classes or just things they need to know so that they, too, can one day maybe be a lawyer? Oh, absolutely. So I think that um, – you have to develop, if they don't already have a love of reading, develop a love of reading because you are almost a professional librarian or researcher. You have to always look up the law. The law is always changing. You have to really enjoy finding things, digging things up. Um, so developing a curiosity um, and an, an ability to ask questions. Um, one of the things that I did in school was join the debate club. Um, and that extended into moot court and different things like that because it teaches you how to process information, how to ask good questions, how to be curious about information that people give you and never really take it at face value to always want to know more. And that is a skill that will definitely aid you in being a lawyer. There's no particular, you know, um, major that you need in school or anything like that, but just having a curiosity for learning and always wanting additional information would definitely serve them well. So anything that develops or hones that skill like debate or um, any sort of teams like that. Wow, amazing, Amber. Thank you for that because I know I hear so many kids say that. And, you know, do you need to know math and science to be a lawyer? Because I know a lot of kids ask that question. Um, no, well, I mean, it depends on what kind of law you want to do. There's um, a lot of people who, you, you, there's like the Security Exchange Commission. There's um, FINRA and other organizations. You might be general counsel for a large organization that deals with, um, if you do math, or like engineering or something like that, there's an opportunity in intellectual property law for you to get um, become a patent attorney, which has a separate bar because they deal with inventions. And, um, and that is very specific and very, um, you, you really can't do it. Like I majored in international studies, so I wouldn't be able to be a patent attorney because I don't have the science or the math background to be able to deal with those inventions. So if they want, if they like math, they like science, um, there's a specialized um, area of the law that they would be able to go into, but you don't have to. Um, it's helpful to know when you're calculating damages and doing different things like that for your clients, but you don't have to be a math whiz in order to do that. No. Excellent, excellent, Amber. I think a lot of the kids don't like math and science. <laughs> so I like the way you answered it because there might be some kids that do. You know, there are a lot of kids um, of all races that like math and science and some that don't. So it seems like with law, 
Either way, you can do a great a great job. So now, Amber, let's get into you are a family protection, I say, expert, and talk about, you know, a lot of times um, people might um, – think they have everything covered with it when it comes to their kids, you know, but if you do not have legal guardians named for your children and something happens to you, okay, maybe you're in a car wreck, maybe, you know, there's a passing away from an illness or whatever, the court or judge will decide what happens to your kids, and we don't want that to happen. So, Amber, talk about, first of all, what it means to be a legal guardian and then what we can do to protect our families so this won't happen to us. Okay. So if something happens to a parent, a legal guardian is a person who has legal authority to care for um, the financial, physical, mental, everything, well-being of the child. So if you have guardianship rights, you are able to function as a parent function. You have the authority to make decisions as a parent while you are the guardian of that child. Um, so, for example, when people get a divorce, there's um, legal guardianship and there's physical um, guardianship um, for them or custody. So if you have physical custody, the child lives with you um, primarily for it might be that there's joint physical custody where the child stays with one parent half of the time physically and one the other. But generally, the court will have joint legal custody or guardianship for the parent. So they both have a say in the legal decisions with regards to religion, health, any of those decisions, the parents, both of those parents, split that legal right to make those decisions. If something happens to those parents, then that guardianship or the right to make those decisions and do those things and decide where the child will physically live would go to whomever the guardian is. Um, and that is pretty much the general function. They would be responsible for taking care of all of the needs of the child. And how important is it for us to have legal guardians? Like, you like, can you talk about your case, like what happened? Um, and what? How, why it's so important for, you know, and then we'll talk about the kids' protection plan. Absolutely. So I, one of the things that I always think about in doing this is when I was younger, you know, it was a, it was a different time. Uh, we lived in the cul-de-sac. I used to be able to, my mother was a um, single mother. My father lived in Ohio, and I would go to my neighbor's house. And so one day when I was in elementary school, my mother wasn't there when I got home. I went over to my neighbor's house, and my neighbor wasn't there. And so I went to another neighbor's house across the street who my mother knew, but it's not the normal neighbor who I went to. And she had given me instructions, but I was a hard-paced kid in the second or third grade, and I went to the other person's house, and my mother didn't know where I was. And so she couldn't um, just, in an emergency situation, if, like, my neighbor had called the police, there's no legal authority or no way that they would be able to keep me if they couldn't find my mother or couldn't get in touch with my father. Legally, the police are supposed to call Child Protective Services um, or DFACS um, and have someone come pick you up, pick the child up, and take them to some sort of temporary location until they can figure out who has legal authority to pick the children up. So parents can, for example, if there's a babysitter, um, there's been instances where there's a babysitter, um, and one of the parents doesn't come home from the gym, and the other parent is out of town traveling. 
if there's no documentation that says that babysitter can legally keep the children on a temporary basis until the father comes back in town or the mother, whomever was out of town, then that child goes to DFAC. If there's something that you can create documentation that gives whoever is in your circle of family or friends, gives the babysitter instructions, hey, call them, call my, my aunt or my sister and tell them to come to the house, then call the police. Um, if something, if you feel like something is wrong, to make sure that there's someone who has authority, um, they can show that paperwork to the police, and the police will allow that child to go with whomever that put, potential temporary guardian is. But if you don't have those things, temporary guardianship, um, permanent guardianship set up, if something happens, then the court has to figure out what's in the best interest of the child. And it could be any relative who petitions the court for the ability to to take care of the child. And I've had clients who, you know, they don't want one of their brothers to have custody. So they want to specifically exclude that person from being able to have any access to their children from a guardianship perspective. You have to put that in writing um, so that a court would know because otherwise they have to look at the totality of the circumstances and try and figure out what's best for your kids. And it's very difficult um, for a third party who doesn't know your child, who doesn't know your family, who doesn't know your family's history, to try and figure out what the best decision is for your child. You're in the best place to do that as the parent, and so you're going to have to give the court and give your family and other people guidance on what you want to happen for the child. And if you don't, you know, lay that out, then someone else has to make that decision for you. And this is, and while this is such a real topic because there's so many parents God forbid one parent dies, another parent is out of the country, your kids will be taken to Child Protective Services. You might not have a way to get a hold of them. So this is very important. Now, when when this happens, what, and you don't have a, we're going to talk about the kids' protection plan, but let's say this happens and you don't have a, child, a kids' protection plan, is there any advice you can share with parents of or, or relatives of what they can do to get these kids out of foster care, you know, until they get everything together? Yes. Yeah, so they the, the goal is not – generally the goal of the system is not to have the child with someone who they are not related to. So you can go petition the court for temporary guardianship as a relative. All you have to do is be able to show that you are a um, relative of the child. And it's the court's preference for the child to go to a relative. So, for example, if there's a husband and wife and they're stuck out of the country, they can't come back, or something happens to them, God forbid, and they pass away, and no one knows where the children should go, um, and they are in foster care, you can petition the court for temporary guardianship of that child until the court can make a decision as to permanent guardianship status for a relative. Um, So once you do that, then you can go through the process. You'll have to hire an attorney. Um, to, I mean, the, the court will do it, but it's just better. It, it probably is easier um, and more peaceful for the individual to have an attorney who's an advocate on their side to try and get that taken care of so that they can have guardianship um, over the child during the estate process and all of those things. But you're going to have to go to the court to petition. But you can do some sort of emergency petition and things like that to try and get the child removed from that location and to be with the relative. But you have to get intervention from the court. You have to get intervention from the court. Okay, we are talking with attorney Amber Sanders about, you know, family protection, kids protection. So talk about, first of all, what age 
does this stop? Like kids can be, is it when you're 18 that you don't have to, like kids are like adults, considered adults? Yes, but uh, for example, with respect to parties who are divorced, generally the court will take into consideration what a child has to say around the age of 14. So if something happens when the child is older, the, the, the child can speak for or fend for themselves and say, hey, I want to go stay with my aunt, or this is my aunt. They can tell the court who they are, that they want to go stay with them, and the court may take that into consideration. They lean strongly towards what the child says when they're older, um, but someone would still have to have some sort of permanent custody over the child to make decisions because children can't enter into legal contracts, they can't do anything, so the child can't take care of themselves. So ultimately there will be a guardian for older children between 14 and 18, but at least they have a bit more of a say-so. When the children are younger, the court is not listening to what they say. They can't have any input. It's just going to be a holistic view of what's in the best interest of the child from a location, from a responsibility of the individual, et cetera, standpoint. But, yes, up to 17, um, really, not 18. 18, they're considered an adult. 17, there has to be something in place for there to be some sort of guardianship for the child. Wow, I love it. You are dropping some gems, and I hope people are listening because this stuff happens all the time, all the time. Okay, so now let's talk about the Kids Protection Plan. Tell us what it is. Is it free? How do you do it? You know, take it away. <laughs> yeah, so what we do at our firm is we have, um, again, what you call the Kids Protection Plan. So we believe it's, we ask, we have a questionnaire. Um, generally, when people have come to our office, um, they might want a more robust one um, that specifically has, you know, um, information for the healthcare needs of the child, the um, if there's any sort of allergies, things like that. But we walk parents through what the process would look like if something happened to them, where the children would go, um, who they'd want them to stay with, what kind of education you want for your children, what do you want them to be taught from a religious standpoint. Like if those things are documented, people, you can make sure or do your best to make sure that your child is being reared in the way that you want. So we have a website for a quick and dirty kids protection plan that if you're going out of town um, and you don't have something in place, you might just have a will, but you don't have something in place that says, hey, if I'm out of town and this plane crashes and something happens, this is what needs to happen with my children. This is where I want them to go. Um, so on that nowlowlaw.kidsprotectionplan.com, um, you can fill that out, fill the information out, sign it, and you can have something in place. And that's completely free to have a basic legal guardianship document that says if something happens and there's an emergency, this is how I want my children to be protected. If you want something a little more in-depth that goes through, you know, how you want them to be raised, what if, if there's money being left to the children, where the, the guardian is supposed to spend that money, how they're supposed to do all those things, and you come in, there's a, a fee for that, but the basic plan that just outlines where they want to go with a person that you trust is absolutely free. I love it, free. And it's on her website, and we're also going to send out the link to our mailing list, but it's on the website at N-A-O-U-L-O, law, L-A-W, dot kids, 
www.pretectionplan.com. And it's free. I even put my email and my name, and i got to fill it out because I'm telling you, this happens so much. And as parents, you know, we don't want to think about death or, you know, divorce or anything like that, but it's 2019. Stuff happens, and you have to protect your kids. This is really good. With that, we are chatting live with Attorney Amber Sanders, Family Protection and Legacy Building. Okay, so we've talked about the Kids Protection Plan and why it's so important. It's free of charge. Now I want to talk about another thing that you're an author, and you wrote this amazing book, which I think every parent needs, especially, you know, those who are in marginalized communities. Can you talk about your book and, um, you know, what made you write the book? Okay, absolutely. So when I finished law school, I didn't want to originally – I didn't want to start practicing immediately, so I started enrichment prep. Um, I had um, I went to high school here in Atlanta, and the first time I took the ACT, I did not do well. Thought I was smart. I was just going to take it and not study for it, and I didn't get the score I wanted. And so I went back and I got a test prep book, and I figured out what the scoring was on the test and what I needed to do, and my score went up. Um, uh, huge amount. Um, And so my homeroom teacher remembered that, and literally the year that I had graduated from law school, she called me because her son was taking the ACT, and she wanted me to help him. And so a business was born from that. I ended up teaching all of the children at the school um, in 11th and 12th grade how to take the test. Um, And I just realized how people, children are often extremely smart, do very well um, in school because they're used to taking tests in that format, but often get intimidated in the standardized test um, environment. Um, the questions are worded differently, and it's something that you have to prepare for. It's not that they don't know the information. They just don't know the test. They don't know that format. They don't know how to take it. And so because students aren't trained or prepared for taking a test in those time constraints, um, they often don't do well. So it's not that those children don't know the information. They just don't know how to test well. And so I figured out a way to prepare them for the test um, and have, you know, I have done really well in, in helping those students figure out that they can actually do it once they understand the concept of the test, what they need to do. Um, they started just their scores skyrocketing. And so um, as the business was going on, um, I got approached by Peterson's Publishing to write a book about that, went through what the process is, um, what parents need to, when they need to start trying to test their children to see how much they need to be prepared, um, reaching out to people to write essays, just information that a lot of the students who I was dealing with, their parents, they were first generation. They would be the first in their generation or in their family to go to college. So the parents didn't necessarily know how to help them. So I wanted to just create a book that could be a reference for the students and for the parents to say, hey, this is who you go ask as a resource. Make sure you talk to your counselor. Make sure you talk to the admission staff. Make sure you talk to these people to get all the information that you can because often a lot of parents don't know that information if they, they're if their first time in the U.S. system or if their children, they're, they're the first generation to go to college. Wow, that is amazing. You know, so many, even us who kind of went to college, when your kids are starting to get into the process, it's tough. And there's so many yes. ways you can get money. There's so many ways you can, 
get um, information on test taking. That book is amazing. Give us the title of the book and where people can get a copy. Okay. It's called Ahead of the Curve, What Parents Need to Know to Get Their Kids into College. You can get it on Amazon. Um, you can just put my name in or put um, Ahead of the Curve, Amber Saunders, and it should pull it up. Um, you can order it from there. Um, it's been a few years, so I don't know if it's still in Barnes & Noble, or in, but we probably don't even have bookstores like that anymore. It's really everything you buy <laughs> online, so the best bet is to probably get it on Amazon. Yeah, get it on ha- Amazon. Everything's on Amazon, ahead of the curve. <laughs> now, what are what are some things that you can share, especially with test-taking, because studies have been done, minorities don't do well a lot of times on these ACT, SAT. I mean, I remember the ACT. I'm just like, uh, you know, <laughs> I did okay, you know, enough, to, you know, to get into college, obviously. But what are some tips that you can just share that, you know, parents who, you know, have kids who might be struggling or just want to get some more information, what are some tips you can share to help prepare kids for college? Absolutely. So the first thing I'd say is that they need to take a practice test at home. Parents need to wake them up and have them sit at a desk at 8 o'clock in the morning like they are taking an actual test to get them used to testing conditions. So um, there are four sections, for example, on the, I think four, yeah, four sections on the ACT, um, and they need to wake the student up, have them get up, time them, and have them go through it like they're doing a real one so that they can get used to that testing environment and use that as the baseline. That's the test score that they started with. And then after that, they really need to study, go get the official ACT questions. I wouldn't get any of these other books where these are sample questions that are similar. They need to get the actual questions that are created by the ACT, the official company, and practice taking those and then just go back and review their answers and see why they got it wrong and make sure the student understands why they got it wrong and go take it again. All they're doing is training to take the test. The, the material that they try and get flashcards and remember formulas and all of those things, it's a short amount of time to try and, you know, gain all of that knowledge for that test. But if they take, you know, six to eight weeks and and – Hello? I think we lost – I think – Hello? Okay, she'll be back. And what I was going to say while she's coming back.
the other children are exposed to that test, the tests that are required much earlier, whether it be the PSAT, um, whether or not they have simulated exams, whether or not their structure in school is multiple choice so the children are used to taking that in a timed environment. It's just the students aren't familiar with that kind of information. So it seems completely foreign and in a completely foreign language. Now, yes, there might be cultural references in there that students aren't familiar with. Um, however, there are students who come from other countries who come and take the test. Um, but it's, and, and they can do well, and they, they also don't have those cultural references that may inhibit or um, a minority student might not be familiar with. So I really think it's not that they don't know the information. Now, in some, in some cases, through doing um, all of this, the classes that I did at that particular school, we were able to find out that all of the students had a deficiency in math. And that was really, I think, a result of the school. Most of those children had gone to that school for several years, and all the way up to elementary school, they were excelling in math. But once they hit middle school, the curriculum or something about that institution that they were they were not teaching the children math well. So I think that if students take multiple choice or take standardized tests more often, parents will be able to see, okay, well, maybe this school is not doing as well with my child for math or for English or for whatever that is, because if, if at, at a certain point they're no longer doing as well in that subject um, on those tests, then you can see that whatever they're learning in school is not translating well to a testing environment. So there's just so many factors. Um, I think it can be biased, but I think that with preparation you can overcome that bias because they, they'll start becoming familiar with it the more they practice those exams. I love it. And Amber, you're so right with preparation because, like you said, kids come from China, from different parts of Africa, Europe, and they come and take these tests and they and they do well. So I think with preparation, even when the odds and, you know, life isn't fair, there might be some discrepancies, schools, teachers, environment, but like you did, you got the book and you actually studied. Um, so I think that would help. I love it. Ahead of the curve. Now, in terms of, um, we talked about the standardized test and everything, what is just some basic advice, like when you think about college and, and kids preparing to go to college? Um, a lot of kids, you know, I've been hearing lately, people are saying, oh, you know, I'm looking at social media, I'm looking at all these entertainers, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go to school, you know, college, I can do something else. What's, what's your advice to them about staying ahead of the curve and going to college? Um, I think maybe because I went to college, I, I'm, I'm biased towards people going to college. But I feel like most older people had to be much more mature at a, a younger age. I wasn't ready to be an adult at 18. Even if I wanted to start a business, college gives you a buffer period. It's the only period in your life that your parents are still taking care of you and you're on your own. Why not take it? You know, your parents are still <laughs> going to help you in college. Um, you get to work through the kinks of figuring out whether it be if you have an apartment in school, just figuring out being an adult. So college has an advantage in that way that you're still being taken care of or you still have support from your family but you're on your own and you're able to figure out who you are, what you want to do um, with your life. If you, are, if you want to go straight into work, um, 
things can be harder um, because, you know, for most jobs, even just a regular bachelor's degree at this point is sometimes not enough. So you're going to have difficulty. You're going to have to start your own thing or figure out what you want to do, and the road might be a little tougher, so you're going to have to find find a mentor or find find out what you want to do and figure out the steps that those people took and how long it took for them to get where they are and figure out whether or not that's what you want to do. Because um, I'm not one to tell anyone that they can't do something, but people just need to be realistic about what it takes. I think they underestimate how much hard work it is. They think someone on social media is an overnight success. And these people have really been working 20 years, and their moment might have just happened, but they've been behind the scenes grinding. So I don't think people hear those stories and they think that it just happens instantaneously, and none of that does. It still takes right. a long time. You're so right. And, you know, I'm one of those people that believe college is such an essential part of life, and it helps you think critically and just the experience, the fun, you know, and the learning. So I totally agree. I, everything you said, let's give Attorney Amber Sanders a round of applause. This is great. This is really great. Thanks so much. So we have like two, two, three minutes left. I just want to go ahead and say let people know how they can get a hold of you, um, your business, um, please, your social media handles. Please, if you could share that again for our listeners. Thank you so much. Um, yes, yeah, so Amber Saunders with Naolo Law Firm, N-A-O-U-L-O. Um, you can find us online at Naolo, N-A-O-U-L-O-L-A-W-Law.com. Um, our phone number is 866-626-8561. Um, and our social media on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter, Naolo Law. You'll be able to find us there. If you get with us in the DMs with any questions you might have, um, we'll be sure to answer back. And then you can email us at hello at nowlowlaw.com. Well, I love it. I love it. Thank you, Amber. You've been so, the information, your book, the Kids Protection Plan, like I said, we're going to send out the link to all our people in our mailing list. Um, but this has been very informative. I wish we had more time. There's so much to cover. We've got to get you back maybe for part two because there's just so much information. Thank you again for being on the Daring Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Okay, well, we've wrapped up another episode. It's Wednesday. Show somebody some love. And remember, Dare to Aspire 2020. I can't believe 10 years. Wow, for all of you who've been rocking with us from day one, you know, you know it's been a movement. And we're going to Houston, Texas in 2020. Houston, you've been begging for us to come back. The last time we were there, it was so fun. Shout out to Destiny's Child, Latavia, who was our keynote speaker for that conference. And that was so much fun. I mean, she was just a ball of fun, giving us all the juice about the details about Destiny's Child. So, 2020, we're going to Houston. We're going to have our honorees announced soon. Um, And, you know, just make sure you're there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be life-changing, as all our conferences are. Thanks in advance to our sponsors, because you know we show them so much love and exposure. Okay, you guys, thank you, and have a blessed Wednesday. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.